Let's give God some praise. Good evening, everyone. I just want to echo, I hope all of us consider sowing into the next generation as they begin this school year. You know, we are a church that loves our young people and loves seeing them fulfill God's calling, plans, and purposes for their life. But we also have a lot of young people in our lives that need help and need assistance, families that could use support. So again, please consider uh, pouring into our school supply drive. Uh, as Jenny mentioned, we are in our series, Resilient. And uh, do me a favor, turn to your neighbor, tell them, you look resilient. Turn to your other neighbor tell them, you look resilient too. Yes, you know, this is a really, really, really important series because we truly live in a fallen and broken world. You know, it's not hard to see. The things that we witness on social media, the news that we uh, see when we turn on the TV or we scroll through, you know, different news stations are really just the things that we are experiencing personally in our life. We truly live in a time and place where we need to see just the faithfulness of God show up in our lives. And here's a great thing. God wants to pour out his faithfulness time and time and time again. And no matter what you may be experiencing and going through tonight, today, we promise you there's a God that loves you so much, sees everything that you're going through and wants to call you to rise up and live out your life with boldness, with courage, with expectation, hope, because he's a God that is for you. Amen? He's a God that is for us. So this is what this series is, Resilience living with God's power in a broken world. And we have been talking about this man named Elijah, the prophet Elijah. And I just want to recap some of the huge wins that the prophet Elijah has experienced so far. And we've recapped it in the last few weeks that we've been in this series. But we know that Elijah stood up to the evil king Ahab, who was leading the Israelites to serve and worship this evil demonic god named Baal. And he stood the test of faith and he called out what the Israelites were doing and King Ahab was doing and he took a stand and he prophesied that there would be a drought if they didn't turn from their wicked ways and even in the midst of the drought we saw that Elijah was suffering he didn't have food he didn't know where he would receive provision and then we saw God come through for him providing ravens that would drop off food to him as well as brooks that were dried up now full with water for him to drink God came through for, for Elijah. And last week, we talked about what happened when Elijah witnessed that the raven stopped coming and the brook dried up. And God allowed him to meet a widow who had a son and nothing else to her name. But somehow, through God's miraculous hand of faithfulness and power, there was endless bread that this widow was able to provide Elijah and her son. Because Elijah knew, man... My God comes through. But here's the crazy thing. Many of us, we live in cloud nine with God sometimes, right? We experience wins, breakthroughs, miracles, signs, and wonders. And we're like, man, like Elijah, God always comes through. And in the midst of living in this fallen and broken world, or just living life, because sometimes life happens. We face contradictions. We face trials. We face hardships things that are beyond our control, circumstances and situations. And that place of victory and expectation that we were on gets swept under the rug and we're like, man, like, what is going on? And we can question God. We can question his goodness and his faithfulness. We can question what we've done in and through his name and we can just kind of be like, God, why is this happening and where are you? That's many of our felt experiences here and it was also the felt experience of Elijah himself. And we're going to learn from Elijah and his faith 
this evening that somehow in the midst of contradiction and trial, his God, our God, would still make way because our God is good. Amen? And I just want to say again, some of us here might be going through those seasons right now where you are questioning God. Things were good before, but it might not be good tonight. I just want to encourage you with this, that God wants to reveal his goodness afresh to every single one of us before we leave this place. So the perspective that we come out of tonight with is one of faith and expectation, one of resilience and hope. Amen? All right, so 1 Kings 17, 17 to 24. I'm going to read this aloud, and then we're going to break it down tonight. We're going to pick things up with Elijah, who is now with the widow and the son living in their home, and he faces contradiction face to face. Passage goes like this. Sometime later... The son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? In response, Elijah says, give me your son. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. Can we pray tonight? Lord, we pray and ask that your, wor your word would be revealed to us in such a personal and unique way. God, we know that your word is alive because Jesus is alive. And as we break down this passage this evening, Lord, I pray that we would, as people, see the word of God come alive in the situations and the circumstances that we may be facing today. Lord, you want to form in us a resilient faith. So we pray that resiliency would abound and faith would arise and that your word, of, that your word and your spirit and your truth in the community of your people, God, would just change our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Number one in your notes goes like this. In our journey with God, we will, everyone say will. We will experience contradictions and trials. Verses 17 and 18 of 1 Kings 17. I'm going to read it again. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing and died. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Here's this thing when it comes to having this relationship with God. We come into a relationship with him and we think that every problem that we have goes away. And in many ways it does because the love of God transforms our life from the inside out. But again, we live in a fallen and broken world and because of that, we will face trials and circumstances and hardships. Elijah experienced that firsthand. Again, he's living on cloud nine. He's probably all pumped up and be like, man, my God came through then and there and this way and that way. And he's probably in this place where he's like, man, what can't God do? What can't he provide? 
What miracle will he not reveal to these people? Because he experienced it firsthand and he saw that. And then this moment happens where this widow, the widow who witnessed and saw the endless bread being made is now experiencing hardship and trial, the death of her son before Elijah's eyes. And you can bet for a fact, because I would be the exact same way, that my faith in that moment would be rattled and shaken. If we were very honest with ourselves tonight, we've all been there. We've all been there. Where we've gone through life on a high with God. And then moments makes us question, is God truly there? And we need to sit there for a little bit. Because if I were to be very honest about myself and perhaps many of us here, and I can definitely say for some of my friends and peers that I've grown up with in my faith and my journey with God over the last 19 years, it's those moments of trials and contradictions where we either press into our faith and keep on going, or unfortunately it could be a time in our faith where we step back and run away from God because we question, God, where were you? How could you allow that to happen? Why didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you answer my prayer for my friend? How could the world that I'm living in or the circumstances or situations that I'm believing your love to be revealed through not happen in this way or this time? It's kind of like a fork in the road kind of moment for many of us. And the reality is we'll go through many of that, many of those moments before we pass here on earth and enter into the kingdom in eternity. We have those moments. And there's been so many times where I've had that. I can either press in in my faith or take a few steps back. And every time I take a few steps back, you know what I end up doing? I blame God. Shake my fist at him. And I question, man, God, are you good? Elijah was facing that in this passage, guaranteed. There was probably that split moment, and we'll kind of carry on with the story in a little bit. But there was a moment where he was probably questioning, God, where are you? The widow was probably questioning, wondering, where was God? And when these contradictions and trials happen in our life, because they will, we need to ask ourselves, like, is God really the reason and cause for the hardships and trials that I'm facing or is it the very real enemy, Satan, who doesn't want us to pursue God and is the origin of sin and death and destruction and despair? Isn't it crazy that as humans, we tend to blame God first when there's truly an answer to the nature of sin and hardships and trials and that person's name is Satan and the enemy? And we put all of this time and energy trying to make things right with God or make sense of what's going on when truly the answer is right there before us. We have this amazing God that loves us, but we have a very real enemy that does not. And when we experience those fork in the road moments where we can either press on in faith or walk back out of our emotions and worries and doubts, my encouragement for us is that we would remember the origin of love is God. And if we want to continue to pursue a life of love with all of the answers that we're hoping for, waiting for, the prayers that we're believing for on this side of eternity, the answer is very simple. Pursue God. Trust that he's going to somehow make a way because our God will. Amen.
John 16, 33. We kind of talked about it a little bit already, but it goes like this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, so we're in the New Testament for this passage. But he says this to them. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus acknowledges, yes, there's trouble in this world, but he says these things. In him we will have peace. That we can take heart that our God, our Lord, Jesus Christ, has overcome this world of brokenness. And through a relationship with him, we will one day too. And until that day comes, we can actually get up every single day with hope and expectation for our life because Jesus is not just somewhere in the atmosphere, somewhere in the heavens, somewhere away from us, but he is present with us right now as we are here at Pearlside Church on a Sunday night in July. He is here with us tonight, which means he wants to be there with us in the midst of whatever we're going through. There's a reason why the passage in Psalm says that we need to walk through the valley of death, not be delivered from the valley of death. Yes, one day God will deliver us from our physical death. But in the valleys of life that we may experience on this side of eternity, guess what? He could deliver us from it, but even better, he wants to be with us in them. So with that perspective in mind, whether it's health-related or relationally related, whether it's financially related, whether it's a battle of your mind or a battle in your home, whether it's the things that you're questioning today or the things that you may be questioning about tomorrow. If Jesus says that we can take heart because he has overcome the world, press in in faith. Don't push back in fear. Because when we press on in faith, somehow, some way, God makes a way because that's the nature and characteristic of who our God is. Amen. And we get to see that in the life of Elijah. Again, he is facing something so real. Some, and it's like one thing when we question our faith. I just needed to say this, kind of random. But it's like one thing when we question our faith in God. But isn't it crazy when our faith in God makes other people question their faith in God too? Like this now is what Elijah is facing. Not just the faith that he has, but the faith of someone that experienced the goodness of God. And then through his life and obedience... That's what made this moment so, so, so real for him. Number two in your notes. In the midst of what we may be facing, number two, God wants to develop our faith. Everyone say develop. Say faith. God wants to develop our faith even in the midst of our contradictions and trials. Verses 19 and 21 goes like this. In a moment, right, like this is just right after exchange where the mother tells Elijah, my son's dead and it's your fault. This is, what, this is what Elijah does. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow? I am staying with by causing her son to die. Then he stretched himself out to the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. I just want to say something real quick. When we face trials, contradictions, hardships, whatever it is, you name it, and we face it, 
there is this lie from the enemy that says that we're not supposed to feel a certain way. That we're not supposed to be sad. That we're not supposed to be angry. That we're not supposed to have anxiety. Like, we're humans. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them, you're a human being. Being. You're a human being. 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 With a G. Turn to your other neighbor. Tell them, I am a human being. We are human. That's why we love to laugh. That's why we love to cry sometimes. That's why we get angry. That's why we get hungry. That's why we have desires because God made us human. So having emotions and feelings as a Christ follower is good. It's how God designed us. And guess what? Our God, Jesus, he is a God of emotions. Read the New Testament. Read about the life of Jesus. He felt a lot of things. Elijah was feeling a lot of things. He even questioned God, right? But here's the other thing about our emotions and feelings. Sometimes we sit in our emotions and feelings way too long. See, our faith is called faith for that very reason. Our faith is faith. Our faith is not our feelings. Therefore, our feelings, although part of our nature, is not our faith. Does that make sense? As human beings, as God's creation, as sons and daughters of a God who has emotions and feelings himself, yes, it is okay for us to feel. But it is not okay for us to stay in our emotions and feelings because guess what? It is in those moments where we let it sit, where we let it stay, that it begins to fester and it begins to rot. And the enemy, again, remember, the enemy out there that wants us to turn back from God is going to use those moments to just bring narratives and lies into our minds. That's why there's scripture that says, take captive of every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Because the enemy wants to attack our minds and these emotions and feelings which are good oftentimes leads us from God because we stay in it way too long. It's like if you have sitting water for too long, you could probably drink it after a couple days, or maybe not, like a couple minutes, a couple hours, I don't know. Don't do it, okay? Just, just analogy, okay? But if a sitting bucket of water stays too long in, the nat in nature, where germs and bacteria and mosquitoes and things can begin to inhabit sitting water, it becomes unhealthy. It becomes toxic. It is no longer life-giving. It's detrimental to our life. And the unfortunate thing, our emotions and feelings can be the same way. When we don't step into our relationship with God, present with our emotions and feelings for him to make right through his word and his spirit and his truth, those things lead us away. And here's what I love about Elijah, is in his questioning, there was still action to his faith. Like, think about it. Like, if that happened, or when it happened with the widow's son, he could have easily just ran away and just gave up and cowered away from what was happening in front of him. But this man of God, full of faith, but also full of emotion, took action in that moment. And he took the child from the mom and he ran to the upper room, ready to pray and believe for a miracle to happen. This is when our faith gets tested, but also when our faith gets real. 
when it doesn't just become something that we tuck away when things are good, but it's something that we live by even when things aren't. Elijah wasn't stuck in fear and his emotions. He stepped out in faith and did something radical. He believed that God could come through. And he believed that God could raise this boy to life. That's resilient faith. That's what it means to look contradiction in the face, trial in the face, and not give in. Still feeling emotions and all of that kind of stuff, but not giving in, standing his ground and putting his faith to action. Faith without action is dead. Faith without action is a bad piece of water. But faith with action brings life. Amen. And that's what we get to see in this situation, in Elijah's life. See, he wasn't concerned about necessarily the outcome. He wasn't necessarily concerned about the sun coming back to life. What Elijah was concerned about most was making sure that this situation was, was left in God's hands. And I think that's something profound for many of us. Sometimes we leave the outcome of the prayers that we ask in our hands. God, I'm going to pray for miracles but the outcome is based on what I want and not what you want. That's not what Elijah did. He just said, man, if there's one last thing that I can do to make sure that I did everything that I could to leave this in God's hands, I'm going to go to prayer. And I'm going to leave it in his hands. And his will would be done. I want to ask us tonight, what are the contradictions that you're facing right now in your life? What are the things that is making us question the goodness and the faithfulness of God? God wants to actually meet us in those areas. God wants to meet us. His love wants to be revealed and experienced and embraced in the midst of the contradictions and trials we are facing today. He wants to be present in it. Again, the question is, are we keeping it to ourselves, keeping it away from God? Or are we like Elijah? Man, if the only thing that I can do is take this to prayer, I will because I want to leave this in God's hands because our God, my God, is a good one that has the best for me and for others. Three things that we can do before we move on to the next point. Three ways that we can persevere in our faith. It's simply this. It's not in your notes. When I'm going to read it, feel free to take notes. Three things that allow us to persevere in our faith. It is the word of God. It is remembering the faithfulness of God. And lastly, it's being in the community of God. Number one, the word of God. Elijah knew, right? Like he knew the prophecies that God gave him for this nation. And he knew that somehow, some way, God would make a way. It is written in the word. And here's the thing. Sometimes we allow the word to get into our minds, but we don't allow the word to get into our hearts. It says in the Bible that God wants to hide, that we should hide the word of God in our hearts so that when things go on and when things happen, like the word of God just comes up, comes out because it's there in us. And I want to share just three scriptures. And this is why we need to have scripture in us. Like scripture is faith. Sometimes we pray and read our emotions and feelings, but God's word is faith building, life giving truth that gives perspective to how we're feeling and what we're experiencing and how we should address it through prayer 
and the Word of God. These are three passages that I just have written down for myself. And you know, I know this might sound a little kiddish, but I've gotten back to writing my favorite passages on flashcards and trying to remember them. Because I want to make sure that the Word of God is hidden in my heart, not just in here, but in here. I have like a hundred something like flashcards. I brought it to a small group this past week and they're like, oh, flashcards. I was like, yeah, the word of God, it's right here. But here's three word or passages that I just hold on to when I'm experiencing contradiction and trial. Psalm 119.50, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. Romans 8.18, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Romans 8.37, in all these things we know we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Like I don't know if any of those three passages resonate to you, but they resonate to me and they are hidden in my heart. So when things happen and I rightfully feel how I'm feeling in the moment, I don't turn to my emotions and feelings and the lies of the enemy and turn from my faith, but I can get into the word of God, allow the word of God to give me perspective and hope and expectation. I declare the word of God and I move forward in faith. That's what God wants to reveal to us. This is the word of God. It's not just things we put up on a screen or we put in notes and bulletins. Like, it is alive. In fact, the word of God isn't really a book. It's Jesus. And Jesus is alive. Guess what? I'm Filipino. I yell a lot. Just bear with me, okay? Man. So that's the word of God. We need to let the word of God memorize scripture. That's how Jesus like resisted Satan himself. He recited scripture and he is scripture. Just mind-blowing, okay? Just needed to say that. Oh, okay, the word of God. Secondly, remembering the faithfulness of God. There's a reason why Elijah immediately ran to the upper room because he knew God came through before and he would again. And sometimes when we're stuck in a rut and we feel like God can't make a way, we just need to remember about last week or last month or last year, or 10 years ago, or 10 weeks ago, or 10 months ago. I don't know, but sometimes all we need to remember is the last time God came through, and it gives us perspective for the next time that he will, starting tonight. I know some of us are new in our journey of faith, and maybe you don't have those moments, but for many, and God wants to give you those, but for many of us, we forget about how God was faithful before and if we just rest in those moments where we were blown away by God's faithfulness and we're like, man, if God did that before, he'll do it again. If we live like that, what can the enemy make us fear God with? Nothing. Because our God overcame sin and death anyway. And if, I just need to say this too, if that was all God did for us, save us from sin and death. Give us the promise of eternity here on earth for what's to come after just speaking for myself, after 19 years of following Jesus, that's all I could ever ask for. And that's all my heart truly desires, is knowing that I am fully loved and known by this amazing God that would save me in my sins and promise me a place of etern in eternity with him. If that's all God did for me, man, that's so good. But that's the thing. As good as that is, that's not the only thing God does. Because our God is a good God and a loving Father and he wants our life here in a fallen world to also be filled with moments where we remember and experience and know that our God is also good. And I want to share with you folks this one particular season of my life where I was facing like as real of a contradiction and trial 
as I felt I could have ever gone through. In uh, the year 2020, so this is also during the midst, or it's 2021, 2021, my wife and I, in February, found out that we were pregnant. And it was like one of those like glorious days, right? Like I got home, walked up the 32 steps that we have in our condo, opened the door. There was like worship music playing, and I was like, this is nice, but also strange. You know, and I started walking into the room. And then I remember I opened the, our master bedroom door, and there Chantel was with this box. And she said, open the box. And I opened the box, and it was a pregnancy photo or the ultrasound photo with a whole bunch of, like, baby things, like a rattle, an elephant, because I guess babies like elephants. You know, like, it was just all in a box. And I remember in that moment, like, I just began to cry. Like, man, like, this is so cool. Like, we weren't expecting to get pregnant that quickly, but we did. And we were in the moment. It was happening. And it was glorious. Like, it was just one of those memorable moments. That was the first week of February 2021. And we got to share with our parents. We got to share with a few of our friends just to keep us in prayer because we were so early in the pregnancy. So that was the beginning of February. And then two weeks later, I get a call from my sister who's like, you could, I, I just picked up the phone call. And I remember hearing from her, like, are you, are you home? Like, what are you doing? And my sister doesn't ask me that. So I'm just like, what, what's going on? You could hear it in her voice. Something was wrong. Something was bothering her. She was worried. She was afraid. And I was like, what's going on? And remember, like, we're just coming off, like, this high of celebrating our, our pregnancy. And then my sister proceeds to tell me that our mom has cancer. And it's stage three, possibly stage four. Two weeks after we announced that we were pregnant to my parents, my mom gets the news that she has cancer. And if I could ever state, like, one of the most, like, contradicting seasons, like, that was it. Because it wasn't just for that month of February where we had to battle through the reality of life coming, but also life possibly being taken away. Like, this was nine months worth of time where my wife and I and our family and friends could celebrate, like, our baby maturing and growing healthily giving her a name and, like, just dreaming about what it would be like to be parents and, like, decorating her nursery and, like, figuring out how to put on, like, baby straps and, like, change diapers and all of that. Like, it was so good. Life was about to happen. But in an instant, updates on my mom's chemotherapy, updates on her health, the progress of how she's doing, and it was so strange, if I could be really honest with you folks, to see, like, my wife's belly growing and then my mom's hair falling off. Seeing our baby gain weight healthily and then my mom lose weight before my eyes. Like, this was my contradiction. Believing for life but also the reality of death. I had nothing else but the word of God and my past experiences and the community of God, people around me that could just keep me accountable to just trusting that somehow God would make a way. And I know that I'm not the only one that has experienced that, and I know that I'm not the only one here 
that is maybe going through a season of contradiction. But for me, it didn't get any more real than that. And you know what I did in that moment? I felt. I got emotional. I cried. I questioned God. I was angry. I was frustrated. I'm human, right? So I need to feel. But there was also this resiliency in me to know that I can't respond with feelings. I must respond in faith, not just for the birth of our daughter, but for my, li- my mom's life and her recovery and her healing. I'm not preaching a word that's distant to me. I am preaching a word that I've had to actually live out myself. And that's this amazing thing about God. He wants us to live out his word in ways that would astound us in his faithfulness and goodness, even in the midst of contradiction and trial. And in the month of October, two things happened that I thought was pretty awesome. And I totally attribute this to just, this is God's sovereignty. This is just his will. One, Bella was born on October 5th. And two weeks later, after our daughter was born, my mom, who made it through her cancer treatments and made a full recovery, got to meet her first granddaughter. And I think we have a photo of that on stage. Faith was formed in me in this nine months. If you tell me that God can't, I will tell you God can. If you tell me God won't, I will tell you God will. And every time the enemy would want to keep me down, I will choose to keep getting up. Because my God has formed a resilient faith in me. To see moments like this become reality. And here's the thing. I told God, God, if it's your will for my mom not to meet my daughter, I trust that she will one day in heaven. God doesn't owe us answered prayers, but he wants to give it to us many times in our lifetime. And even when he doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that he loves us and he's good. It just means that we have to learn about how our faith is being formed in his perfect will, his plans and purposes. Amen. I don't know what dreams you have in the contradictions that you're believing for God's will to be revealed. But I dreamed and I prayed and I believed that that would happen. And I'm just very grateful and thankful that I got to see it on this side of eternity. Amen. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're facing tonight, God can. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, our God can. Last point in your notes tonight. No matter the outcome our faith becomes a testimony of the goodness of God. Verses 22 to 24. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. I want to repeat the third point. No matter the outcome, our faith becomes a testimony of the goodness of God. And Elijah got to experience this. You know, I just wish like there was more like explanation to what happened. Like his, this son came back to life. And like, I just have to kind of sit there a little bit. Like it was just like recounted for in like one line in the Bible. 
But in that moment, it was a miracle. It was a sign. It was a wonder. And when we feel and experience and witness it and embrace it firsthand, like, man, like, that is, like, the highest of high that we could ever experience. Elijah got to experience that firsthand, that God made a way and it became a testimony of the goodness of God to this woman who was doubting about faith in God. Can I leave this thought with us as we come to a close tonight? If we choose in faith by the grace and love of God to be resilient and to keep on pushing and persevering, what kind of testimony could we live or leave or live, live and leave to the people around us? Because guess what? Many of us, we go through hardships and trials and we have God in our life, but there are many friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors and people that we come across that are going through contradictions of life and wanting to give up. Because they don't have the hope of Christ in them. They haven't heard the good news of the gospel. They haven't been able to receive scripture or moments of their life where they could see and know and taste that God is good. They're not in a community of believers that can look at them in the eye and tell them that everything is going to be okay. Because we love and serve a God that wants to love and serve you too. Like what if we live that kind of life? Our faith is not just for ourselves. Our faith is for the glory of God and also for others to come to know him. Elijah, in his resilient life on earth, left proof after proof after time after time that God is good. And I want to share this story with you folks. This is kind of a part two regarding this testimony with my mom. Two months after... We got to celebrate our daughter being born and also my mom finishing her chemotherapy and, and the doctors not seeing any cancer in her body. I remember being in a small group in the community of God. And I remember one of our small group members had already been texting us but had mentioned to us and elaborated a little bit more at small group that his father was also diagnosed with cancer that the doctor said that the prognosis for his life did not look good. And the reason why was because the cancer had spread to his brain. And he's in the military. He's actually here tonight. So I'm going to make sure I don't look at him because we look at each other a lot. You know, it's small group. But I remember he was sharing this with us. And I remember, like, in that moment, like, I, I just, I knew what he was feeling. Like, I knew what he was experiencing. I knew what he was pondering and wondering like, you know that gaze look in the eye where you know that they're not there? Like, I knew where he was because I was there so many days throughout this journey with my mom. And I remember just being at that small group, and I was just like, I can't give you any diagnosis. I can't give you any medicine. I can't give you the answers. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the outcome's going to be. But all I know is this is what God did in my life. Here are the passages that have held me through this. And I can promise you that our small group and this band of brothers will stand with you and your family the whole way through. That's all I can give you. And we began to share about the testimony of my mom. And small group ended and the journey began, not just for me now, but for a friend in my small group. And his name is Phil. And I remember 
not too long later, I think this was around Easter the following year, prognosis again still didn't look good, and he brought his family down um, from California to just visit. And I think, like, if, you know, we had kind of those moments where he kind of hinted that we're also bringing my dad here just so that he can be with us and just because this might be one of the last few moments that we may have, because again, we don't know what was going to happen, but we had faith as a small group. And I know that their family, him and his wife, the kids, his sister, they all had faith for his dad's recovery, right? We have a photo of the family. He doesn't know that I'm sharing this story tonight. I apologize, Phil. But this is their family with their, their father. And I remember, well, they hung out at the Embassy Suites at the Hilton, Waikiki Beach Walk. That's cool. Um, but they also came to service one day, and we took a photo with our small group and their family. I remember that day, like, so vividly and so real. It was really hot, and we all wore black. It was crazy. But even in the midst of the heat and the reality of what was going on, we began to pray. And we had this other moment where we as a small group, and we prayed for his dad. I think that we have a photo of that, too. I just want to sit here for a little bit because that was one of the most significant moments. I know it was a significant moment for him and their family and for our small group. Yes, amen, it was awesome. But it was also a significant moment for me because I began to hear and just feel God the whole way through just saying like, this is why, this is why, this is why. Because the faith that I have placed in you for your mom and what you saw and witnessed, I want you and your small group to come alongside of this family to believe that they would get to taste and see about the faithfulness and goodness of God as well. Like this became a moment where my faith was no longer just for me, but it could also be for the goodness of God and the glory of God in the lives of others. And it was a beautiful moment. Not too long after that, we get a text. And this is like ongoing to this day. That the doctors cannot find any traces of cancer in his dad's brain and his dad is on the road to recovery like this is Jesus and the word of God in real life this is what resilient faith looks like when it's not just notes on a bulletin but how we live every day this is what happens when we don't cower on our emotions and fears, but we choose to step out in faith. This is the kind of world that we can rock with the goodness of God when we live this way with the people around us. Like, this is what we can do. This is how we can just see heaven before us. Because guess what? That's what prayer does. That's what Elijah experienced when he prayed and interceded and believed that the sun would come to life. God came from heaven and allowed that moment to happen. What if we live that kind of way? Amen? Before we close tonight, I said that like three times. I apologize. But for real, real, the real close. I know there's some of us here, we question, right? We question. I wrote these questions down because these are questions that I've pondered too. Question. Can Jesus even relate to what I'm going through? How can I trust him in what I'm experiencing? That's one question I've questioned many times. And then secondly, what happens if God doesn't answer our prayers in the contradictions and trials? Does God still love me? 
I want to expound on these two questions with just the life of Jesus because every message goes back to Jesus anyway. Every message, every, every scripture, every passage, every story in the Bible is just a hint, a precursor, a foreshadowing of the life of Jesus. And I just want to say that if we feel tonight that Jesus can't relate to us in contradictions and trials, if Jesus can't relate to us because of what we're experiencing and going through, if Jesus can't relate to us because he's holy and we're not and he's up there in heaven and we're here on earth in a broken world and we don't know the kind of Jesus that the word says we should know. Amen. Because Jesus, everything that he's gone through and everything he asks of us comes from personal experience himself. And he is a man that actually had to live out contradiction and trial in his life as well. And the reason why he persevered and pushed through was because we were on the other side. We were on the other side. I want to read from, for us Luke 22, 39 to 44. It will be up on screen and it goes like this. This is one of the last few moments that Jesus had before he was going to be wrongfully accused and sentenced to death. And he goes to the Mount of Olives and he's in this place of just humanity. Like he's, he's human, he's feeling. He's before his father and he's just trying to get rid of this contradiction in his life of having to die for the world's sins. Like he has a moment, a very real and honest moment. Goes like this. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus had a moment in his emotions and feelings. He was afraid. He was worried about dying and being crucified. I love that we can relate to Jesus. That sometimes we even question and beg God to take some things away. But sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. Jesus is praying to his father. Father, take this cup, but not my will, yours, be done. Again, we read a few lines, but it was so intense that he was bleeding in sweat. There's actually a medical term for that, bleeding in sweat. Hemethylhydrosis. We account for that moment in three lines. But Jesus was begging and pleading all night long. Father, take this cup. Answer my prayer. But not my will. Yours be done. God didn't answer his prayer. So Jesus continued on into a moment of trial and contradictions. Luke 23, 33 to 43. This is Jesus now at Calvary. This is him being hung on the cross. And these are the last few moments he has. And this is an account of what Jesus said to the Father. Or sorry, what he experienced and said to the Father. Can we do this? Can we close our eyes as we read God's word? I want us to imagine it. Allow this word to become personal and this passage to hit home. When they came to the place called the skull, 
They crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. I just love that line. It's asking God to forgive us. Continuing on. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And that was not something to be proud of. They were mocking Jesus with that line. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But here's the contradiction, friends. The criminal said this, but this man has done nothing wrong. Last verse, then Jesus said to the criminal, or he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You can look up here. God didn't answer Jesus' prayer. And when Jesus was hung on the cross, every contradiction that you could muster up for the Son of God was hurled at him as an insult. You can save others, but you can't save yourself. You are the Messiah, but you're hung on a cross. But here's the crazy thing. The criminal, not the mean one, but the other one, he knew Jesus, living in trial and contradiction, sentenced to the same death as the two of us, he's here so that the world can live. Isn't that a contradiction too? That we are the criminals, that we are the sinners, that we deserve by our sins to suffer that kind of death. But the contradiction for us is really our blessing and for God's glory. We don't experience that because Jesus bore the weight of it all for us. That's some good news. And in those last few moments, this criminal seeks Jesus and he's like, hey, can you remember me? When you're in heaven, can you remember me? And Jesus tells him, well, he's hung on the cross. Again, one of his last few moments, he tells him, I will see you in paradise. Because my contradiction is for your place in eternity. And again, this is the living word of God. It's not just in a book. It's the reality that we live today. There's an eternity coming our way where all answers will be, or all prayers will be answered. All questions will be revealed. And glory upon glory upon glory will be every waking second of every day. There will be no more darkness. There will only be light. There will no, be no more hardship. There will only be worship. 
and we are going there one day. And no matter what you may be facing this evening, that promise for eternity is coming. And no matter what God might allow or not allow, just know that he's good. And you will see him in paradise. Amen. With all heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here and you're experiencing a season of contradiction right now, of trial, and this word is just like hitting home in whatever realm of life, whether it be health or marriage or relationships, we want to take a moment before we worship and sing to pray for you. So just, could you do this? If that's you, could you please stand? And just as a church family, we want to stand with you in prayer on three. One, two, three. Facing a season of contradiction. No shame. A season of trial and hardship. No condemnation. And can we do this before we worship? If, you, if we can all look up, if you're by someone who's standing, can you just stretch forth your hands or even lay your hands on them if you know them? And we're going to pray before we worship tonight. Lord, you see our brothers and sisters here tonight who are experiencing a season of contradiction and trial. Perhaps they're feeling right now that, God, you are distant. And that couldn't be any farther from the truth. Lord, you are a God that doesn't deliver us from the valley. You are a God that is with us each step of the way in it. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon our brothers and sisters tonight. And they would tangibly feel their continents being lifted. Their emotions and feelings being lifted. Their faith being lifted. Lord, we look at those areas of trial and contradiction and we speak the word of God over it and we believe in faith that somehow some way you will make a way because you are a good loving father and Lord even as this moment Lord I pray that you would reveal to them visions and signs and wonders of what it would look like Lord when you would truly deliver them not just from the situation itself but deliver them from feeling alone and abandoned deliver them from feeling forsaken or forgotten Lord I pray that they would know that they would know that they would know that they are fully seen and fully loved and fully known by this amazing God that is out there not just in the atmosphere and in the universe that is with them right now in the midst of it all we pray that resilient faith would arise. And as we all begin to stand tonight and we worship and sing with you as one body, as one church, Lord, I pray that we would all receive, God, hope and faith and expectation. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen.